So how many, how many of you buy from Amazon? You get packages on your porch, all right? And how many of you forget what's in the package? My wife's like, what is that? And I'm like, only one of us orders from Amazon. So don't ask me what's in it. But I've learned every morning when I get up, when I walk out the door, I need to look because I'll fall over the boxes as I go out because she orders everything now. It all, it all comes. Toothpaste comes in a box, you know, about like that. Um, she orders groceries that way. So I've learned to watch. But the uh, Tuesday, it was Tuesday, I went outside and there's just celery sitting on my porch. Now, sometimes they forget things, so I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, you know. You just don't question. As a man, you just don't question things. Wednesday, I get up, celery. Thursday, I get up, celery. I, something's wrong. So I'm going right to the top. So I, I call Sheriff Chitwood. I'm not playing. I'm not playing. All right, how about, how about a hand for Sheriff Chitwood? Great man, great man. Very, very grateful for him and his, and his team. But Sheriff Chitwood comes, does a complete investigation. He says, Joe, I think it's pretty obvious what's going on here. You're being stalked. <laughs> Put the box back on. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Pastor George Cord did an incredible job last week. Um, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> He came into my office, I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday, kind of sheepish, and he goes, did, did you hear the message? And I said, because I already, I'd sent him a message, told him it was great. And he goes, did you listen to it, though? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I said, especially the part where you said, Joe won't know I'm talking about sex because he's at the racetrack. I said, that was the part that I, that I got the most. Um, <clears throat> but the job that he did explaining the difference between Joseph and Judah and how they handled those temptations was absolutely incredible. Well done. Uh, great exposition of that passage. Well, the story picks up now and Joseph is in prison. So Joseph gets accused of rape. Remember, things have not gone well for Joseph since the dream. Think, you think about that, right? Well, I, I, I live this, okay? You become a Christian, you think everything's going to be great and... Everything in my life that went wrong happened after I became a Christian. And so Joseph has this dream that mom and dad and his 12 brothers are going to bow down to him. And and he's going to be over them. And since that time, his brothers hate him. They cuss at him all the time. They end up throwing him in a well. They're going to leave him to die. They sell him into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house. He rises to be in charge of everything in Potiphar's house in Egypt. And then Potiphar's wife accuses him of rape and he's in prison. Things are not exactly 12 stars bowing. The dream has not been everything that Joseph thought it would have been. Now, the thing is, well, why? Why is Joseph in prison? Is God knocking the rough edges off Joseph? I don't know. Is God waiting for the right time? I don't know. Is God wanting to mature Joseph or to protect him from something? I don't know. But I do know this. That God is working in our lives far more than we can imagine, whether we understand it or not. In fact, Isaiah said it this way in chapter 55. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts or my ways are not your ways. In fact, God said, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts way above yours. So while we're down here playing checkers, God's up here playing 3D chess. 
And there's a whole lot of things going on. Now, the, the dream that Joseph had, that victory is still out there. It's still coming. But right now, things don't look good for Joseph. Because everything since that dream has been a negative. But it's the end of the story that always matters. So if you'll stand, we'll pick up the story in chapter 40. And I'm going to leave you literally in the middle of a sentence when we get to the end of this. Because we're going to pick it up next week. And that's exactly where I want to leave you. So just don't be freaked out. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. Listen to what Joseph said. Joseph is not cocky for the first time. Do not interpretations belong to God? Now we'll come back to that. Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. And soon as it budded, it blossomed and its flustered ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three branches are three days. Quit right there. You can be seated. Now, why'd you quit there? Because the dream is not the story. Joseph is not the story. The prison is not the story. What's the story? The story is the Messiah's coming, right? Now, whose line is the Messiah coming through? Of all things, this is God God working in all of our all of our ugliness. Judah. The guy that the guy that was the villain last week, it's Judah's line that the Messiah is going to come through. So Joseph is actually protecting Judah. And this story really has nothing to do about Joseph. He gets 13 chapters. Judah gets a mention in chapter 49. There's just a sentence that says that Judah's family is the one. But all of this is set up so that Judah gets protected, so that Judah's son can be born, so that we eventually get to Jesus, so that all of us can get saved. That's good news, right? But here's the hard part. It starts off. The chapter starts off. Look at your Bibles iPhone, scrolls, whatever you brought. First phrase, it said, sometime later. Oh, that's my strength. Sometime later. Now, there's two, two different thoughts. Something from the time jo- uh, Joseph was put in the well until he became uh, the lead guy in Egypt is 20 years. Other people think it was 40 years. Either way, if you're in a well, you're sold into slavery, and you're in prison 20, 40 years. Either way. Long time, right? And it just says, sometime 
later. None of us like to hear that. We want God's answers now. But was God any less involved? Was God not working any less when Joseph was in prison? No, God was, was still at work. God was still doing what he does in spite of the situation. Sometime later, the baker and the butler, some, something happened in the royal house. Somebody's guilty and Pharaoh has them both arrested and we're going to sort this out. But Joseph has this long interval where he's sitting in prison thinking about those dreams and going, God, I don't see how this is going to work out sometime later. So then they show up and he's thinking, maybe this is the answer. But we'll find out that's not the answer either. Galatians 4.4 4 says this. But in the fullness of time, God sent his son into the world to save the world. Born of a virgin, born to rescue all of us. So I'll just stop right here. If you've not accepted Jesus, we'll have people in rooms three and five to pray for you, to counsel you, to answer your questions online. I have decided there'll be people down front. If you don't know Jesus, if you've not accepted Jesus, you, you want that before you leave today because when we get to the end of this, you're going to see why this is so important. Sometime later. I, I like what C.S. Lewis says about the second coming of Jesus. He said, three things we know. Jesus will certainly return to get his church. Number two, we have no idea when it's going to happen. And number three, we need to always be ready because it could happen at any moment. Pretty good teaching. But we know for certain it's going to happen. Now, another great preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones out of London said this. Check this out. The Christian is a man who can be certain about the ultimate. All right, that's the end. Even when he's most uncertain about the immediate. So right here in the immediate, maybe your marriage, your friendship, your job, your money, your health, your family, your kids. Maybe in the immediate, there's a whole lot of pieces that are just floating. You're like, man, I don't know what's going on. But it feels like everything's wrong. But if you know the ultimate's taken care of, you can face the immediate. And Joseph knows that somehow God's going to work this out. I don't think Joseph would have scripted it this way in his own life, but God's got bigger plans. Oh, but it gets worse before it gets better. So we get later, then the baker and the, and the, the chief, uh, the baker and the wine, the wine guy. Okay. They're both there. They both have a dream. Joseph, again, this time shows some humility and he says, only God can interpret dreams. Now, don't run past that. Because Egypt worships everything. They always have and they still do. And that's why we're working really, really hard uh, to plant churches in Egypt. Because Jesus is flying through Egypt right now. We, we're up to 560 churches we've planted in Egypt right now. You can give God a hand and yourself a hand uh, for that. Um, but it's amazing when the living God comes up against the false gods, which is what happened during the ten plagues. But this baker and this wine guy would have worshipped the sun and the moon and the alligator and Pharaoh and the Nile River. They would have worshipped all of that. But Joseph doesn't say that. Joseph says, only 
the living God, the Lord, the creator of the world. He makes very clear there's only one who can give interpretations. And that's my God. Well, why did they come to him in the first place? Rumor has gotten around about Joseph because he's moved up and he's serving in this thing. And this is what I find fascinating. <clears throat> now, Joseph <clears throat> does not have the choice of whether he's going to take care of these two guys. It says they got assigned to Joseph. But that the prison, in prison, Joseph has risen to the top again. So now the guy in charge of the prison says, ah, let Joseph handle it. So apparently things are going again as well as they can go for Joseph. God continues to bless him. But what I find fascinating, and I'm not saying that Joseph isn't whining. He's not complaining. He's not having bad days. But he keeps doing what he's supposed to do even when he can't see how the dream's going to come true. In the well, in slavery, in Potiphar's house, and in prison, he just keeps doing what he's supposed to do. Most American churches, if something doesn't happen in two or three days, we give up, we quit, God's not working, God doesn't care. Joseph kept being faithful to God, waiting for that final victory to come. So I'll tell you what happens. They, they get released. The dream, Joseph explains the dream. He said, uh, basically, that's been sorted out. Wine guy, you're going to go back, get your job back. You'll be uh, pressing those grapes again in three days. Uh, the bread guy, not so good. Uh, you're going to get your head cut off. Hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. Um, delayed. Because Joseph said, listen, all I ask is that when you guys go back to Pharaoh, that you don't forget me. Guess what happened when they went back? Every day, Joseph must have thought this would be the day. Because that wine guy's got the king's ear three, four times a day. At any point during the story, today's the day he's going to talk about his buddy Joseph who interpreted the dream. Yeah, not yet. Delayed. Terrible feeling, isn't it? But we have to trust that God is working it out. And here's the one thing I promise you as your pastor. When you're going through a disaster, you will never, ever hear me quote Romans 8.28. All right? <clears throat> Great verse. It, you know, it, and we all can use that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That is a great purpose to encourage all of us. It is a wrong time to say to somebody when you've lost a child or your life's being torn apart. Well, all things work together for good. You don't, if you don't mind, I'll punch you. Say it again. <laughs> no, that's, that's not the verse to use there. That's a dumb, that's a dumb play. All things do work together for good because God's working up here and I'm working down here. But if I'm the guy in prison right now, save that verse, okay? You gotta, you gotta know when to use the scripture, but it ultimately leads to the victory, all right? Now we didn't read all this, but we're gonna spend several chapters over the next month talking about when Joseph does get into position of power. And honestly, ancient Egypt is gonna be built by Joseph. You can say all you want about Pharaoh so-and-so and Pharaoh so-and-so, and, -so, and I'll, we'll break that down when we get there. But Joseph is the one that buys, sells, collects, and brings the entire empire together and makes a global empire of Egypt that will still be standing 4,000 years later. It's all because of what Joseph did. So the victory's coming for Joseph, but 
Remember, that's still not the victory. Was the victory for Joseph to be head, head of Egypt? No. <clears throat> the victory was that to get his mom and dad and, and the, his brothers to bow before him? No, that's going to happen because that's the fulfillment of the scripture. But the purpose is to make sure that that baby, <laughs> that baby line keeps going so that we get to Jesus. So that that pure bloodline rescues all of mankind from its sin. And we can all be saved. That's, that's the good news. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says that we will walk, we will run, we will fly on wings like eagles. We will not give up because one day the victory's coming. <clears throat> so I get it. If you're sitting here now and it's later, you're delayed, it's a frustrating feeling. But the, <clears throat> the victory's coming. That victory day's coming for all of us. We don't know when, but soon. That's the good news. Let me, let me finish with this story. As Cord said, I was at the racetrack last Saturday. And I, uh, I just wanted, I needed a break. I needed, my son Luke got, got tickets and, and he goes, let's go to the race. Well, the race starts at seven o'clock and about one o'clock I'm bored. And I'm like, well, let's just go out there. He's like, dad, you're crazy. But we did. And we went out and we played all the games, rode all the rides, ate all the food. Um, you wouldn't believe all the fall roll. How many of you have been out there for the whole day? You've sat out there and endured all that. Yeah. All kinds of fall roll. You know, this is the vice president of paint. This is, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. Introducing everybody. There's all this stuff happening. And then I have to endure 30 minutes of country music. I had to hear like a hundred y'alls, and that's uh, that just doesn't work for me. And in my head, I keep thinking there's a race coming. I, I know I came here, and my and now my son, who's you know very tolerant, uh, leans over and said, "I told you not to come at one." <laughs> Finally, the cars are on the track. There's going to be a race, and uh, <clears throat> the green flag drops. And the first time around, if you've never been there. Uh, the I don't care who you are, it brings out the kid in you, but the power and the, and the noise, the sound is really hard to even explain. And I, as the cars go by me, <clears throat> about five seats down, there's a 14-year-old boy I never noticed before. And the 14-year-old boy is just mesmerized. And again, it's roaring. And he turns to his mom, and this is what I see. And I'm like, okay, it's the kid's first race. And so I watched the race through his eyes. And his mom would just, you know, you could see his mom's like, okay, the hundred bucks was worth it. You know, it was worth it you know, for to getting to this race. But here's what God impressed on me. Everything that I had endured, the heat, the misery, especially the country music. <clears throat> All of that that I had endured to get to the race, that's life. That wow moment is when we step into the presence of Jesus. That victory day is coming. And my thought was, Joe, don't lose that wow during the delay. Don't lose the wow while you're in the later. Keep your eyes on that wow moment because it's coming. Isaiah said it this way. He said it better than me. Isaiah said, no eye has seen, 
No ear is heard and no mind can possibly imagine what God's prepared for those who love him. So, Father, I pray that as we finish this message, but not finish what your spirit's doing, that those who need to accept you, this would be the day. Those who are thinking about quitting, there's probably people thinking about suicide, they're thinking about divorce, they're thinking about walking away from everything. Lord, would you remind them that it's only later and it's only delayed that victory's coming? So whoever needs to hear this, God, may your Holy Spirit speak to them. In Jesus' name, amen.